Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in to the early line. Live right here on SportsGrid on this Thursday morning. I am Kevin Walsh, joined, of course... Why not a right side, DRS? What's the word? Yeah, one more day before Christmas Eve. Hopefully we can give out some presents today with some winners on this 49ers-Titans game. But I'm ready to go. We got two hours to break it all down. Wearing my 49ers red here, Kevin. So maybe a little uh, prelude to what I like tonight here, huh? I thought it was just for the holidays, Don. I figured we'd both come in. We got red today. We'll do green tomorrow. I look forward to Donnie showing up in blue, completely forgetting Mm -hmm. about it. What do you want from him, right? It's... I'll, I'll put it in the rundown, Donnie, in the notes. You think you'll have it under control? Yeah, I'll probably wear, you know, some uh, bright colors here that are not affiliated here, Kevin, with anything. I don't even think I have anything green, by the way, but except outside some Eagles jerseys. <laughs> there you go, Donnie. We're, probably wear an old Donovan McNair jersey. That's what the people are it's looking true. for. Let's make these seven and seven headlines happen here. College football playoff update. Oh, this is a good one. Donnie, if a team is not able to have enough players because of a COVID outbreak, the college football playoffs will be decided by forfeits, semifinal or championship, according to the latest update. Could be the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. And I don't know if it's designed to scare the kids or the institutions to make sure that they're doing everything by the book with their COVID protocols. But you you. you Let's just say this from a network perspective. Imagine you paid, I don't know, $100 million for this year's round of college football playoff, and you got nothing on TV, and college was like, ha ha, got you there. You still got to pay us the $100 million for the rights. That won't happen. What about the Super Bowl, Kevin? Can you imagine Roger Goodell coming up? Okay, if we have an outbreak like three days before the game, the Super Bowl is just Mm going to be decided because one team couldn't play, and that's how it'll go down. Major League Baseball in the World Series, the NBA in the finals. Might be the dumbest statement I've ever seen out of college football, and that's really saying something. It is surprising, and also, you know that uh, they usually kind of spin around from Anchorman? Well, for I don't believe you, that's exactly mm-hmm. how I feel. There's a 0% chance that we roll up here and let people, hey, forfeit, congratulations, here's Cincinnati. The National. That's not how this is going to work out. Although, maybe, just so, tell someone tell Texas A&M that they're the replacement option if anybody can't make it and let's see if they drop out well they're out of the gator bowl at least donnie texas a&m dealing with a COVID outbreak not enough players to play in the gator bowl yeah either that or maybe jimbo fisher went on like says hey man that's going to get in the way of my like safari to uh, africa so i really don't want to play this game it doesn't do anything for me and i have a nice little piece here kevin at the end of the show mm. for listen up i'm gonna let texas a&m have it because the spirit of texas a&m and the 12th man yes yeah, is really going directly against that Mmm, interesting. I look forward to that. Listen up. One of the all-time great segments in sports grid history. We transition over to the NFL. I almost, like, I very 
very easily could have, by the way, made this 7-7 seven and seven and had COVID impact like every single one of these top <laughs> headlines here as it is like the main character of the sports world right now. Donnie, a couple of head coaches in the NFL, Nick Sirianni of the Philadelphia Eagles, Robert Sala of the New York Jets, some of the latest big name additions to COVID lists. Yes, and you take a look at Robert Sala on the list. How will that impact the Jets? I mean, the Jets aren't going anywhere here. Maybe Robert Sala's like, hey, I get to spend some time with my family over the holidays. And also, you keep in mind, he is a defensive coordinator, defensive coach. Not really a monster impact that you typically would have from an offensive perspective. So if you take a look here at Nick Sirianni of the Eagles, that's a little bit more impactful here, Kevin. So bigger loss here for the Eagles than the Jets. We'll talk about that during our Hot or Not segment around the highest and lowest scoring teams of the week. We have the radio audience in full effect. We appreciate all those who are tuned in to the early line on Sports Grid Radio. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside here on this Thursday morning. And Donnie, again, the COVID updates continue. The NBA Christmas slate is simply five games that happen to have staggered start times here. As the latest superstar set to take center stage on that slate... Luka Doncic now has COVID and is almost assuredly not going to be playing for Dallas on Christmas Day. And I mean, Christmas, it saves a lot. Like people say, hey, man, Christmas got to be around the family, man. Put these games on their own all day long. I can make it through. You even have some NFL games on Christmas this year. But the slate that we is, gets so celebrated, Kevin, when the season comes out, right, you say, you know, who are you playing opening night? The very next thing you look at is, did we get a Christmas Day game? And it's a shame because it's going to get ruined here. They'll play some games with players that we might not know, which is a shame because this is a spotlight for the NBA that certainly is dimming. Yeah. I don't even know if the Nets are going to be able to play as they had another game yesterday canceled. It's going to be really interesting to watch this continue to unfold. A straight result update, though, Donnie. The Cavs, 14-game ATS cover streak snapped at the hand last night of the Boston Celtics. Though I know for some people, the Cavs did enough from beyond the arc. Yes, and including 35 feet beyond the arc, which, again, we joked on the show that's in play sports tonight. I was ready for them to take it away and say a 35-foot three-point shot. Yeah, he had his foot on the line, and it wasn't going to count, but it did. So it made a little bit of money in that game, but you're right. The Cavaliers, hey, maybe you just can't roll it over, Kevin, every single night and pick up dollars on the Cavs. From the college basketball landscape here, number 19, Tennessee, does not upset Arizona because they were favored in the basketball game. How is this still happening in 2021? It's not an upset fixture. Alerts out there, people. It's not an upset. They did win the game, though, Donnie, over number six, Arizona, and hand them their first loss. Yep, one of the final games of the silly season, Kevin. We are on the horizon from true SEC play down there for Tennessee. Can't wait. No doubt. Lastly, the Thursday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and the San Francisco 49ers will, of course, be the most important game of the day. We'll talk about it within both of our hours, Donnie. The latest injury report includes some big-time absences on the offensive line for the Tennessee Titans. Yep, the two, the whole left side is out for the Titans. Watch out below, Tannehill. Go college football next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Live here on the Sports Grid Network, this is the Live. 
Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside on a Thursday morning. Set to talk a little college football. Yesterday, a fun game between Army and Missouri. Eh, I use fun loosely. The odds just didn't work out. I needed to win the first half and the game. That's okay, though, because the whole they shouldn't have really won the game. It didn't work out great. It's fine. They lost the first half, won the game. Good for Army. Uh, they win the Armed Forces Bowl. If we have enough time, we'll actually talk a little bit uh, about Florida UCF today, which is a pretty interesting game. There's two more bowl games in action. But before all of that, Donnie, I want to expand a little bit on this update from the college football playoff landscape here. That they are actually going to go with forfeit rules. If Georgia all of a sudden has a COVID outbreak, they can't field enough players, Michigan is into the national championship game. And if all of a sudden Michigan has a COVID outbreak and they can't field enough players, well then whomever makes it from Alabama to Cincinnati is a national champion. A, a stunning, stunning piece of news. One that they probably announce and feel like, oh, well, this doesn't really matter. We'll never actually have to put this into effect. But one, Donnie, I, I can't ever imagine them actually putting into effect. What's your reaction? It's never going to get put into effect. And it doesn't even make sense. And I have no idea why this press release was even sent out. You know, take a look at the NFL, right? Let's just say college football, you have over 100 guys per roster, right? In the NFL, you have half of that. Some of these teams have lost over, what, 30 to 40% of their roster. And you know what the NFL said? Okay, we'll move you back two days. We'll see you there. The games will go on. There is way too much money, Kevin. This isn't just like a preseason or a scrimmage where, hey, you know, UCLA was going to fly out to play Florida State in a preseason scrimmage, and it got canceled. And, oh, ESPN's like, boy, we were going to televise that preseason scrimmage. Not the case here. You're talking about the biggest games at the biggest time, which these networks pay monster amounts of money for. And, oh, yeah, let's not forget this as well, Kevin. You're talking about maybe it's uh, two days before Christmas. So, roughly, let's just say a week out of these games. Everybody's flights are bought. Everybody's tickets are bought. So who is getting refunded all this money? And who is writing the check back to the networks by saying, oh, you know what? We canceled it just to be safe here. Uh, NCAA here. Here's our check back for $60 million coming back to television. There is no way this is going to happen. And I can't believe they even – it should have been extreme protocols that they put in. Like, in case we have an outbreak, we can swing this game back an extra week. We can swing it back an extra four mm -hmm. games. If there are COVID outbreaks, make sure you separate your team in the hotels. Some of the guys that have close contacts, some of the guys that need to be quarantined. Some other different rules. The fact that they came out and said, yeah, it's not going to be a big deal. The COVID outbreak, there's no national championship will flip a coin. That will never happen. I can't believe they did this. And ultimately, it's not even the best plan of attack, right? Like, and, and from all the sponsors and things of that, like, this isn't, Donnie, a situation where it's like, look, these are the only four teams in the, in the entire college football landscape and the world where we could possibly even offer up a replacement would be a complete sham to the sport. There are some people who don't even agree with the final four that you put in. Now, I think they got the four right. But you know, Donnie, there are some people out there that still would have rather put in another Power 5 school, right, instead of a Cincinnati or whatever it, it might ultimately be here. And for anybody out there that is a fan of mixed martial arts, right, specifically the UFC, they do this all the time. On a big title fight coming up over the weekend, you've got your two listed, you know, guys who are going to go for the title. And they literally have someone there who weighs in in order to make sure that if one of the two main event fighters can't make it, they have a replacement. That's what they're, that's what they do. I'm sorry. Listen, I get it. The PlayStation Fiesta Bowl matters a lot. I, I understand everybody's excited for the Rose Bowl here. Your, your appropriate move, because you would obviously know Donnie more than day of, is to all of a sudden say, hey, listen, sorry, Michigan can't make it. Ohio State, you're going to play George in the college football semifinal. And Donnie, 
everybody other than Michigan would be happy about that. But that's a logistic thing if you can't move it back the week, which might just be the case there. But that, again, is a significantly better option in my estimation, Donnie, I don't know if you'll agree, than this notion that all of a sudden Georgia just goes to the national championship game. Yeah, they're, and they're, but these four teams earn their way in. And you're talking about a COVID outbreak, which would probably subside in, what, five to seven days? And again, I'm talking about, and you know, a little bit later, we'll talk a little bit about A&M. A&M has a 120-plus team person roster. Mm -hmm. Think about that, 120-plus. If they had a breakout last week or this week or whatever, and they lost 40 players, wouldn't in a week or so they would get those players back here? It's the same thing in the NFL while they're moving forward. I don't understand this. Is there a hard cap on NCAA football that goes, if we can't play New Year's Eve, we can't play at all. What did I miss here? You're mm -hmm. not squeezing the final games into the last. We say, hey, these two teams qualified. We need two more teams to qualify. Let's see if we can push it back. It's the championship rounds here. What would be the big deal, Kevin, if they said to you, oh, we can't play December 31st. We're going to push the semifinals back to the 7th. Great. We'll all still watch. What is the big deal with moving it back a week? I can't wait to see this play out because there's a part of me that says I don't want to see it happen because I like college football at the highest level. I want to see a crown champion. Mm -hmm. But boy, oh boy, when you talk about if they just cancel one of the semifinals and send it through, it's teams, the yeah. fans, the players. There will be such an uproar that it might be worth it here to watch it play out. I mean, also, too, Donnie, right? The pure, pure betting perspective of it all. You have the future out there on yeah. Georgia to win a national championship game. You lose because of a forfeit? George, just so people know, not only is Georgia, of course, a touchdown favorite over Michigan, the look-ahead lines still have Georgia minus one over Alabama. Like, that right now is the favorite to win the national championship. I know the straight odds say it's Bama. That's the ease of matchup, this, that, and the third. But imagine a world, Donnie, where all of a sudden your, your Georgia ticket is losing. Are the books going to just refund the money? No way. I can't imagine that that's going to be the approach there, and I, I don't think I could necessarily blame them for that, but what a what a brutal, brutal scene that would be. And again, and I don't think what I'm suggesting, Donnie, would play out, but what, what if they randomly did call up Ohio State? It's like, you're in. You're in. We needed to fill, we needed to fill the spot. They just have to rebook the odds or all the ripped-up Ohio State national championship tickets now Revalid. I, I mean, it's 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 just complete and, and, and utter madness when when you think about what they're trying to put forward here. And I think the the question that you asked at the top and just is, well, what really was the purpose? If we can agree that they're not going to do this, I mean, we heard that Michigan apparently has like an entire team is set to show up and and get their booster shots there. Or or is it a situation, Donnie, where they they feel like, all right, listen, we know that if a couple of these teams start, if Basically, what's playing out with Texas A&M? Yeah, we don't have enough scholarship players. They have enough players, right? And I'll let Dan Donnie handle the A&M stuff and listen up here. Where Bama would say, hey, can you push it back? They're getting out in front of it, Donnie, and letting them know we're not pushing it back. You're playing. Otherwise, you lose. Yeah, it's, it's it's rough all the way around. You ever play like in the NFL, like a suicide pool where you get to pick one team and you, you, once you pick them, you can't use them mm -hmm. again. But a lot of these, why I bring it up is by week five, 90% of the pool is out. So what do you have is a buyback, right? You can get back in here. Let's just say the deep pocket guys of the Notre Dame boosters or the Ohio State boosters go, you know what? And the NCAA goes, who wants in here? We'll give it to the highest bidder. And they raise $75 million to buy into the national championship picture to erase one of their losses during the season. It's crazy that we're talking about 
but it's great. It's food for fodder because it's never going to happen. And also, when you take a look at playing, can you, can you imagine a team? Let's just say you're right. Texas A&M, as of today, was the fourth team in the college football playoff. What would Jimbo Fisher be doing? Hey, we're doing everything we can. Uh, you know, nope. we lost 42 guys. By next week, we'll have mm-hmm. you know 90% of those guys back. We are going to roll next man up. But the fact that it's the Gator Bowl, Jimbo's like, man. I could get to the islands right now. I won't take a loss. I can recruit a little bit more. You know what, guys? It's too much hassle to get there. If he was playing for big stakes, he would be right in there saying, we're not pushing anything back. A&M will be there. And then to add one final point on that before we shift over towards Thursday night football, and this has been very clear for a long time, but I will use this to reemphasize again. The folks out there that continue to take players to task for opting out of bowl games, saying, oh, that's not the spirit of the sport, what happened to the love of the game. Look at the decisions made by these coaches, right? Look at the decisions made by these schools. You think Billy Napier helped Louisiana down the stretch there? Where's Chip Kelly? Is he coaching Notre Dame in that PlayStation Fiesta Bowl? How's Link doing over at USC? And here's the most, maybe the best example. Jimbo Fisher goes, yeah, I don't care about the Gator Bowl, man. Not enough good players to actually play this game. See you later. Wild stuff. We talk Thursday night football next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Back right here on the early line. Thursday night football is a really, it's a a game I'm really excited for. The Tennessee Titans at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Two teams right now that feel like they are going in opposite directions. The Niners are a three-point road favorite here on Thursday night. The total for this game is 44 and a half. But before we get into the specifics of this game, side total props, and of course, we always have our second hour to expand on all of these things. I want to take a step back, look at where these teams are and perhaps where these teams are are going because the Niners enter eight and six the Titans enter nine and five if the favorite outcome holds these will be teams that'll both sit there with the same exact record and these are two teams Donnie that you know certainly had some expectations on them coming into this season up and down the regular season is gone for them but I'll pose this question here of which one of these teams is the bigger Super Bowl threat because the Titans Donnie are 26 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Still considerably favored to win the AFC South and at least get one home field game in the AFC playoffs. The the San Francisco 49ers not going to be winning their division. The I don't even know if their odds are still listed for them to win the NFC West, but not far back off the Titans for odds to win the Super Bowl. A 28-1 to 1 number there. So I'll pose the question again, Donnie. The bigger threat to win the Super Bowl, the better bet to win the Super Bowl, the Titans or the Niners? Tennessee Titans, and it's a it's a pretty easy example for me that I'm going to give here. If we take a look at the 49ers, I like their team, I do. Running back situation, seems like they can plug and play anybody here. Jimmy Garoppolo leading you towards a Super Bowl, kind of dicey. Now, he got to a Super Bowl before, was a, you know, 
two or three feet off from a pass from Emmanuel Sanders of winning a Super Bowl. So he got close before. But I just want to take a look at the capsule for this year and what makes sense. If the Tennessee Titans did not get injured this year and Derrick Henry was still playing, where would this team be? They're still at 9-5, and five, good for the number three overall seed in the AFC. Maybe they're an extra game up. Maybe they're fighting for the top overall spot. But here's the key indicator here. Everybody that got banged up or injured primarily for Tennessee, they could be coming back for the playoff run. We're looking at the San Francisco 49ers right now for me, Kevin. They are a polished product, which means this is as good as it's going to get. And they're a good football team. Don't get me mm. wrong. They'll make the playoffs and a chance to do some damage. But when I look at the ceiling of both of these teams, particularly on offense, I would take Ryan Tannehill over Jimmy Garoppolo. I would take a healthy Derrick Henry, if they get him back for the playoffs, over anything that the San Francisco 49ers have. Also, wide receiver position, love Debo Samuel. But if you're going to give me, for a playoff run, healthy Julio Jones, healthy A.J. Brown, that's a better overall lineup here on offense that I can trust. So if I'm saying from the beginning of the year, I really like the way the, tech, the Titans jumped out this year, now to the end of the year, they can get those guys back for the playoffs. To me, a more dangerous team to make a Super Bowl run, the Titans over the 49ers. So there, of course, Donnie will... will... The bracket will depend so much, right? If Tennessee all of a sudden does give up this lead in the AFC South and they end up a wild card team, that becomes very, very difficult, right? Getting back healthy, right? Getting back AJ Brown, getting back Derrick Henry, all of those things are, are crucial for this team making a run. And I know that factors in. But the interesting thing to me is if you pause where everything is right now, Right now, if the playoffs were this coming weekend, the Niners, as the sixth seed, would make a trip to Tampa Bay. Certainly, we would be dogs in the game. The Tennessee Titans would be home against the Chargers. I think the Titans are dogs in that game right now. And that's the interesting thing for me on this Tennessee Titans team is how healthy can they get in this window here to shift things back to where they're perceived a little bit closer Don to the team that you're talking about the group that was on top of the AFC a group that was around a minus 200 favor to be the number one seed in the AFC a group that had Derrick Henry on pace for a historic running back season a group that had a defense that was playing pretty well a team that was led by Mike Vrabel who was continuing to make headway in the coach of the year market because I look at the Niners and well I have less questions. The Titans might have that higher ceiling, Donnie. We've seen them, I think, reach higher peaks. That win against Buffalo, that win against the Rams, that win against the Kansas City Chiefs, 27-3. to A dominant victory on every single way you could imagine. But I look at the Niners, and I, I the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't come with questions is obviously not fair. But Jimmy Garoppolo is having a pretty good season. At 8.5 yards per completion or or per uh, attempt excuse me on Jimmy Garoppolo one of the three best marks of any quarterback in the NFL George Kittle operating as one of the absolute best offensive weapons period in the sport and the same exact thing is true of Debo Samuel who just cannot stop offering up rushing touchdowns the defense getting back to a, a little bit of a bigger way here and right now Kyle Shanahan a little bit more of a proven track record than a Mike Vrabel Donnie that extra two dollars there from 26 to 1 to 28 to 1 I get it the Niners would have to be road warriors almost assuredly if they're going to go on a legitimate run here but they're going to likely be favored in as many games as it feels like this Tennessee Titans team is, Donnie. The Niners are a three-point favorite right now. They should be favored in this game. And I think they are They are a team that anybody in the NFC would be absolutely horrified to run up against. 
No, you're, and there's a lot of good points that you're bringing up here. And also, if you keep in mind, Jimmy Garoppolo, since that game against the Los Angeles Rams, I believe it was November 15th, he's been sensational. Look at his passer rating, Kevin. Since then, all the way through, it's great. Like a low point of like a 90, most of those games well above 100. And if you're going to get good quarterback play in a Kyle Shanahan offense, which you know is built on the run, and you do have those dominant weapons, Debo Samuel, I mean, when you take a look at Debo Samuels, we'll preview the game in a sec, like anytime touchdown score, what's great about him? He can run and catch it. It's amazing. Amazing how many things he can do there, which sets that offense up when he is healthy. Brandon Ayuk, a young wide receiver, you know, out of the doghouse that he was in earlier in the season with Kyle Shanahan. George Kittle, as you said, healthy now. That offensive line, one of the best in football. But it still comes down to, even though that five or six game run from Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been as good as anybody in the NFL with a passer rating, which is crazy to think about. I still fast forward to the playoffs where I see Kyle Shanahan and go, you know what? I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo all that much. Let's slow things down and see if we can lean on our defense. I win a quarterback that can go and win a football game at a high level. I'm just not sure on the biggest stage Jimmy Garoppolo can do that. And, and ultimately right now, just to Donnie's point, though, the passer rating for Garoppolo, the sixth best mark of all quarterbacks and the number one guy in terms of yards per attempt in the entire yeah. NFL. If Garoppolo... And again, it's not really, is it Garoppolo or is it the fact that every time George Kittle catches the football, he turns up field for an additional for an additional yeah. six? Is it the fact that if Debo Samuel just happens to get the football, it's a guaranteed gain of 15. But Garoppolo is a guy that, that does enough. I think the interesting thing, Donnie, on the Tennessee Titans, and we can use this to transition into this, this game preview here tonight, is Tannehill's significantly dropped back to a guy that's, just, yeah, he can get the job done. He's doing enough. But is this team winning because of Ryan Tannehill? For a while, I argued yes. Because of how much better this team got whenever Ryan Tannehill became their quarterback here. But Ryan Tannehill has really not stepped up in the absence of Derrick Henry in the way that I thought. I mean, this guy sits here at a pure one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. He has not had a multiple touchdown passing performance game since Derrick Henry left. The passer ratings that you're talking about there for him, only once above 100 for Orion Tannehill, Donnie. This has been a disheartening run for the Tennessee Titans based on Ryan Tannehill. Again, that's why they're a three-point dog. No, you're right, and they deserve to be an underdog tonight. But also, you have to put some things in a different frame of mind here because any quarterback in the NFL, outside of like Aaron Rodgers going on the road and beating the Arizona Cardinals with no wide receivers, is ultra impressive. But, mm-hmm. you know, the average quarterback can't do that. And with the average quarterback, you are only as good as the weapons you have around you. So if you had a healthy Derrick Henry, a healthy A.J. Brown, a healthy Julio Jones, that changes up a little bit. Now, Derrick Henry's been down for, what, six or seven weeks at this point, but also at the same time, he's played – Bit, you know, large amounts of games overall and in-game spots without his top two wide receivers. I mean, you're going to wide receivers that you've never even heard of here. Any quarterback is going to get damaged by that. But tonight, it looks like he's going to have both of his starting wide receivers back tonight. That should make a difference for him because when you look at the Tennessee Titans and they're so heavily built off of getting him out of the pocket, play action passes, mm-hmm. run pass option for him, it's very hard to sell that to a defense that goes, he ain't running the football here. And oh yeah, what do I have to keep an extra yeah. safety back deep for you know these random wide receivers that I say that you keep running out here? It might change tonight, which will be interesting. Uh, and ultimately, right, this is a... You know, as we start to, again, talk about the side here, right? You know, Donnie, I love to offer up these trends. The Tennessee Titans, 5-2 and two against the number as an underdog, 5-2 and two straight up as an underdog. However, they've lost those last two games as a dog. They've not covered those last two games as a dog. One of them at New England, one of them at Pittsburgh. Perhaps being home will matter. But 
the the real shift again is this been the lack of uh, of a Derrick Henry here and, and perhaps tonight's a game where team totals make more sense or just the pure total makes sense and again I'm excited to go through a lot of these player props here but Donnie what is your your early thoughts around this football game here tonight if I'm not mistaken it, it's that Niners offense I know that grabs your eye the most yeah, the Niners offense does grab my attention here. And again, you know, the, the stuff I say you know, week after week, I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo, but in the regular season, almost like a Kirk Cousins, seems like you should be able to trust him. That five-game snapshot, which really has my imagination here of how well Jimmy Garoppolo has played, 30 points versus Jacksonville, 34 versus Minnesota, 23 in a loss to Seattle, 26 in a win against Cincinnati, 31 in a win against Atlanta. So if we're looking at a team total around that 24, 23 and a half point range, they're going to be right around there each and every time. And Kevin, we always use that terminology, a running mate, which it seems like the past couple nights, we haven't gotten any running mates in any of these NFL games. But if you're getting starting wide receivers back for Tennessee, that means they're not going to be ground and pound. They can air it out a little bit more, which will force the hand of Kyle Shanahan to maybe use Garoppolo a little bit more. And his passer rating supports it. That's a very good offense. Looking in the 20s gives you a great chance here to cover the team total for the 49ers without worrying Kevin if they cover the three and a half or the three or even win the game at all I am so excited to break this game down the props you know your Debo's your Kittles your Julio's Ray J Brown's right but also again these match specials because these are these are like two perfect match specials teams the match specials throwing a couple left and right can we get this back on the right track we'll talk that hour too but it's hot or not up now SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hot or not time here on this Thursday, and that means we have to talk highest scoring teams, lowest scoring teams for week 16 in the NFL. We open it up with... The Detroit Lions. See, the, the thing that I like about this is is so often the hot or not is applied to the same like three or four teams on a carousel here, DRS. Let's talk a little Detroit Lions. Jared Goff on that COVID list potentially could miss this one. They're paying you plus 950 for the Lions to be the lowest scoring team, hot or not. Yeah, they should be the lowest scoring team, and they should be sitting in that pole position here as the lowest scoring team because at least you have Jared Goff. Some seven, and listen to us. At least if you have Jared Goff is the like the focal point of why the Detroit Lions, mm. you know, have a decent team, which is not the case here. They're a bad football team, but Jared Goff is head and shoulders about what they're going to be able to roll out here. So if you take a look, Atlanta, you say, okay, is Detroit going up against I don't know the Tampa Bay defense where they would just get exposed? They're going up against Atlanta, and we're still saying that they should be a shoe in here as a plus 950 to be the lowest scoring team of the week. But I have to say, I do agree with it, and they should be high up there. You know, the Giants going up against the Philadelphia Eagles at a plus 650 price. They're in it. Why? Because we're dealing with really bad quarterbacks. But a team that I liked last week with their team total, and they actually scored 30 points against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think has a legitimate chance here, Kevin, to be the lowest scoring team of the week. And do you know who mm. that is? 
That is the Texans here. Now, the reason is it's not because I don't like Davis Mills and he can't move the football because he can. But the simple fact of the matter is now you're going to play a Chargers team. Now, Joy Bose is not going to line up in this game. That's going to help quite a bit. But the reason why this offense has some semblance of, okay, we can function a little bit, has been Brandon Cooks, right? He's been a shining bright spot on that team where they don't have very much talent. He's got COVID now and is going to sit out of this game. So if you could just collapse the pocket here around Davis Mills, who's getting the football? Who's making any plays here in this instance? So I'm actually going to go with a team I liked last week on their team total to not do very much at all this week, and that's the Houston Texans at a plus 1,100 price here to be the lowest scoring team of the week. It's not a bad look at all. It's really not. Of course, losing Brandon Cooks is is really difficult for that team. Two touchdowns and over 100 yards receiving uh, in last week's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. A team at the same price, Donnie, is the Chicago Bears at 11-1. You know, they got their only touchdown of the game against the Minnesota Vikings on the final play of the game. You want to go with a bomb? Take the Seattle Seahawks in the same game. That team's horrible. I mean, that means the Bears have to win, but like it's 23 to 1. Maybe if you want to play that lowest scoring game market, eight plus 850 on Bears Seahawks is, is a little bit interesting. I want to talk about Donnie about two teams kind of in this market here uh, with the updates around the head coach absences that we are now seeing with the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Jets are 20 to 1 to be the lowest scoring team. The Eagles are 33 to 1 to be the lowest scoring team. And maybe that's a bridge too far. But even even if it's just team totals, Don, your expectations for these offenses overall and I know you're going to make fun of me. Robert Sala doesn't control the offense there. I get it, right? Mike McCarthy and Pet drawing up defenses against Taysom Hill. But how, Donnie, these two head coaches being away from their teams could very well impact them now leading into these weeks. And honestly, I think they're big weeks for both teams. No, there are big weeks for both teams, but I don't think the Jets miss a beat here. I don't know what kind of beat they're even missing at this point here because they're not a very good football team, but you're not losing, like, the play caller on offense, which really, like, your head coach is there to, you know, the game plan set, you know, are we going to punt? Are we going to go for it? What timeouts are we going to use? Are we going to challenge this play? I get that. But if Robert Sala is taken out of the equation, you can very easily come up with a defensive scheme and game plan where a guy can call the defense and be fine with it. What you worried about are younger quarterbacks, which the Philadelphia Eagles have and also the New York Jets have, as the guy that's been with them all along that calls the plays, what you hear in the huddle each and every time, and coming from a game plan where when you come to the sidelines, Kevin, you're asking, like, hey, what did you see on that play? Here's what you should do. Now, when you say, let's just say Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni is out, you know, what about last week when he didn't start off well? Nick Sirianni getting in his ear. You know, you got to play better. You know, Mm -hmm. here's the changes I need. At halftime, here's what I saw you doing on third down plays. Why don't you think about checking out? That's not going to be there. So Robert Sala on defense, not checking in with his offense, he doesn't really do that anyway. He's focused more on the defense. But the adjustments on defense are a little bit easier to me than the adjustments on offense. So from a coach not going to be there on the sideline perspective, by far the Philadelphia Eagles will be impacted because Sirianni basically is the offense and not so much where you have to worry about, hey, it's third and four. Do we blitz or not blitz on defense here? So the Giants, and, and I, I think it is the Eagles where it matters a lot more, right? Especially because the game does matter a lot more. I think for the Jets, the opportunity to get a win at home, the number one pick versus the number two pick, I think that all does matter for them, right? But the Eagles need to win a football game to go out there and keep themselves with that inside track to be the number seven seed in the NFC overall. The Eagles, again, are a double-digit favorite against the New York Giants. They already played the Giants. 
They lost to the New York Giants. And not only did they lose, it was had to be the worst game of Jalen Hurts' career. Three interceptions. The next uh, more infuriating than the last. And the thing that is really interesting to me, Donnie, is I don't think Jalen Hurts is out of the woods in terms of you might get benched. Maybe I'm way off on this. But I just think because of the fact that the Eagles have a chance to make the playoffs and because of how good Gardner Minshew was, opponent or not, in his one fill-in game, I think that is going to be something that sits in the back of mind for everyone during these Eagles games. And specifically for Jalen Hurts to be running it back against the New York Giants where, yes, the Giants are favored to be the lowest scoring team, right? Jake Fromm, Mike Glennon, it is what it is. But, like, if Nick Sirianni isn't on the sideline there, is, is Shane Stuckton supposed to make the call, Don, and that Gardner Minshew gets into the game? Pretty solid last name there for uh, Shane Steichen. But interesting enough, yeah. as, you, <laughs> as you go over this. Thank you. Uh, you're right. Now, also, let, let's revert back to Jalen Hurts and his whole, like, you know, since he started with the Philadelphia Eagles. Why is it so hard for the Philadelphia Eagles? Just can't call a spade a spade here for you. And even if you know behind the scenes it's not going to work, how easy would it have been for Nick Sirianni to say, all right, in the past game that we had, forget about the Giants game. I'm just talking about the uh, Washington football game where he started out slow but then came on at the end, played good football, you know, ran for two touchdowns, threw a great touchdown pass to salt the game away to Greg Ward. How hard is it? And I guess it's an organizational thing where you usually would come on the press conference and say, you know what? That's why he's our franchise guy. Franchise guys bounce back, lead us to victory. We put everything on his shoulders. He came through. That's why he's our starter, and we're going to have a bright future with the guy. It's almost like nobody's allowed to give him any credit in front of the press about Jalen Hurts. What is wrong with saying, boy, he played well, or he didn't play well, he's our franchise guy, you know, the next five years is going to be bright with Jalen Hurts. It doesn't come out, Kevin, and I still can't understand why. Is it just a negotiation tactic or in the offseason we want to let him know that he better be working hard when it's just going to anoint him as a starter? It doesn't make any sense, but you're right. It seems like the right-hand man would be Sirianni and Jalen Hurts because also, Kevin, what we don't see behind the scenes, if you remember a couple weeks ago, before the Giants game when Jalen Hurts was playing well, the offense was flipping over. He said his favorite time of the week was what? On Friday, where after everything was done, they'd spend a few hours together breaking down film, talking about life, going over the game plan just to settle into that Sunday atmosphere. That's not going to be here this week as he's not allowed in the complex, Nick Sirianni. So that might be something to keep an eye on as well. Just that comfort level for Jalen Hurts looking over to the sideline and your head coach isn't there. Transitioning over to the highest scoring team, the Dallas Cowboys are the favorite at 6-1. to one. Leave me in my pronunciations alone. I, I <laughs> took a swing there, man. You know what I'm saying? What are you going to do? Shout out, shout out shout out, good man it. Shane. You could have called him just Shane. Uh, yes, what that would be what great. I, know. I would have liked yeah. that. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you think Shane's going to bench the guy? <laughs> yeah, Look, the Bucks, though, Donnie, out. are an interesting team. 8-1 to be the highest scoring team. Tremendously banged up. Playing the Carolina Panthers. Playing them on the road, hot or not, Tom and Bruce and Ronald are going to be the highest scoring team here in week 16. They got no shot at this. I don't even know why they're that highly rated. Eight to one, it should be like 18 to one at this point. Like, I don't even know. Like, where would the mindset be that you would come into this yeah. week and be like, you know what? Tampa Bay is going to be the hottest team out there because they have no weapons. I'm yeah. just going to say they are going to. Tom Brady's going to throw for 340 this weekend. 
and really get at it. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, the leaders in the clubhouse right now, the Dallas Cowboys is 6-1. to They make a lot of sense. Did you just watch the game with the Washington football team against the Eagles where the Eagles just basically said, we'll hand the football off and you can't stop us? Well, Dallas can add in a passing game if Dak Prescott is right, which he's been struggling a little bit here. If you do get Taylor Heineke back, maybe the Dallas Cowboys say, hey, did you see that game Monday night? We actually got to score some points because their starting quarterback is going to come back. That could be a big boon. So I do like that. But also, a game I talked about, Kevin, with the lowest scoring team of the week also has a chance to have the highest scoring team of the week, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. That Houston defense is terrible. You're playing in a dome. Now, I understand Austin Eckler is not going to play in this game, but if you do have Justin Herbert, at quarterback, those wide receivers out there, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, you're going to do whatever you want to that defense. So there's a really good chance for me that the Chargers can be in the high 20s and low 30s to give you a legitimate chance at this. I like the Chargers this week at plus 850, but I want nothing to do with the Bucs at 8-1 to one whatsoever here. The, the Bucks price, I can't tell if it is pure respect for Brady and the Bucks, or if it is just an indictment on the rest of this slate that does have a very banged up, though great points by you, Chargers team at three. The Eagles are the fourth choice on the board. I think the Rams are interesting, Donnie, though a road team here where if you're willing to take a shot on the upset, the Vikings at 17 to 1 jump out a little bit to me. I have no, I I mean, (laughs) I think it's quite interesting. The New England Patriots are at 16 to 1 and the Buffalo Bills are at 31 to 1. Anybody want to figure that out for me? What's, What's that about, Donnie? How are the the Pats half as likely to be the highest scoring team as the Buffalo Bills in a game that is essentially a pick'em? Yeah, that doesn't make too much sense either. Also, Kevin, when you take a look at these higher scoring markets, you know, we look at that game and how the game plan is going to change from what we saw last time in some ridiculous weather conditions, but also the impact of actually rest and COVID issues. You take a look at the Rams. Mm -hmm. When did they last play? On Tuesday. They're going on the road this week to take on the Minnesota Vikings, which means, number one, you're a little bit more tired and banged up, but less time to game plan. So some of those things you also have to factor into the equation where you can just say, hey, Rams, really good offense, they'll bounce back. Well, they're going to have to bounce back quite quickly and do it on the road. I think the Bills present some of the best value we have ever seen in this market. P- simply put, that number's wrong at 31-1 to 1, unless someone told the FanDuel Sportsbook <laughs> that Josh Allen isn't playing. Their offense has played better on the road than at home. They average around 30 points per game on the road this season. If they get cooking against the New England Patriots, like, this isn't the steel curtain or anything there. They gave up 27 last week to the Indianapolis Colts, who didn't really, you know, play a tremendous offensive game as it stands there. Second opportunity for them to see the New England Patriots. Josh Allen last year, I think in Foxborough on Monday Night Football through uh, for four touchdown passes. Diggs caught three touchdown passes there. So the Buffalo Bills at 31-1 to make a world of sense to me. I also would be doing a disservice if I didn't bring up, despite the fact that they have no chance to bring this home, but based on yesterday's conversations in the target player prop segment where I started to fade my own picks, of course, the Jets at 27-1, the Jaguars at 36-1. to Just, you know, and maybe could one of those teams slip and fall into 30 points? Possibly. I mean, it's got, like, I think I might have to grab, what's the highest scoring game odds for that one right there, Donnie? 15 to 1? Jags, Jets, mm. highest scoring game? 
No? A lot of punts. Yeah, I have a little, little taste you know, Fake there. punts, fake yeah. field goals. Yeah, bad defense. There Might have to get a little go. taste in that there. Mm. Get that lottery there ticket out go. for Christmas. Mm-hmm. We'll close out our number one with some conversations around the depleted Tampa Bay Bucks. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Tampa Bay Bucks have a big game against the Carolina Panthers because it is their first game with, you know, the post-Godwin, no Leonard Fournette, Evans questionable. And Donnie, I know the highest-scoring teammate to one doesn't grab your interest and I knew that would be the case but I wanted to also bring up then the lead that Tom Brady has in a couple of statistical markets the passing yards as well as the passing touchdowns right now he's at 4,300 passing yards nearly 200 clear of Derek Carr who is in the second spot there his passing touchdown lead though not as significant only one more than Matthew Stafford four more than Justin Herbert but if you look they do have Donnie the season-long uh, options here Brady is a minus 320 favorite to have the most passing yards Stafford is at three to one Brady's a minus 135 for the most passing touchdowns Stafford is 120 Herbert is 10 to one any interest in trying to fade Brady in the season-long markets here with three weeks left or too much of a lead no uh, why not though like why would you not because it's not as if Kevin where you say all right I have everything in the mindset here I want to win the MVP I want to throw for the most touchdowns the most yardage here you can still say that but if you don't have the horses to do that how do you accomplish it here Mm -hmm. like we see like Antonio Brown didn't practice for a a little part of this week here he's going to come back he hasn't been on the field for a while Rob Gronkowski can break down at any time who now turns into that tight end where you say hey we can actually focus on this guy because if not other guys will kill us around this, meaning Mike Evans and also Godwin, who's going to be out for the season. I would fade Tom Brady across the board. They're still going to win football games, Kevin, but this should not be, hey, I'm going to throw for 335 yards and four touchdowns every game. Who is he throwing these to? And if and that's the other thing about like Brady is a lot of those touchdowns, again, I joke, but it's very serious. They're just on the five-yard line. A little more willingness to hand off Ronald Jones. The opportunities aren't as grand there. Also, Here's the interesting thing about, you know, it's almost impossible, it feels like, for the Rams to not be playing meaningful football week 18 with the tight race between them and the Arizona Cardinals. And also, like a Justin Herbert, Donnie, 10-1 to for the most passing touchdowns. He goes out there and throws four this week against the Texans, who are terrible. This gets really, really interesting there. I'd love to know. That would be a nice little number. But we start hour two with some NBA. It's simple, really. Listen. Win. Don't listen. Lose. I mean, duh. This is the home of the winning edge. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 